0: I praise God for this wonderful opportunity that God has given to me. Uh, I thank uh, the pastors and the elders of the church for giving me opportunity. Uh, I want to thank my friend Stanley for uh, the the relationship, the connection, and also for helping me out to pick up and drop really taking time. I, I truly appreciate that. And as Pastor James was talking about, you know, uh, our country, we are about 1.4 billion people, the largest populated country. And we have 3.3 million gods, you know, you name it. A dog is a god, a cow is a god, a frog is a god, elephant is a god, tree is a god, stone is a god, you are god, I am god, god in all, all in god, a pantheistic uh, thing. And less than 3% are Indian, uh, of Indians are Christians. And, you know, uh, in places, we have about 4,300 tribes in India, and 2,300 people groups have never heard about Jesus. They are called unreached and unengaged. That means they have never heard about Jesus. They don't have Bibles in their language. They don't have pastors. They don't have churches. And even if you go to some places and ask them, do you know Jesus? They will tell you, is this a new product that came into the market? That's kind of a country I come from. And I also want to thank Shining Star for supporting us during the pandemic. You know, we were able to do some a uh, lot of relief work uh, during COVID times, and it was very difficult for us. And uh, I wanted to start with this prayer. Uh, you no, know, some people thought. No, I was very courageous in helping with the COVID, and I told I was very much afraid. I was doubtful. I feared a lot if something would happen to me. I feared something would happen to my family. But still, you know, I took up the courage. But every day, I used to fight this battle of fear and doubt, being double-minded. But you know, the prayer of Martin Luther during the Burbonic Plague. Now I read this article written by Philip Yancey, and this is a prayer that you know was written uh, where I read uh, where Martin Luther helped in a plague that was affected during his time. It was a barbonic Plague, and he prayed like this. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed, in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. But if this is what actually convicted me and this prayer that he prayed about God. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others." If my neighbors needs me, however, I shall not avoid a place or a person, but will go freely as stated above. Now, this is such a God-fearing faith, which is not brash, foolish, but not tempting God, but doing what God is asking them to do. You know, uh, there is a special situation in our country, in the northeastern part, where the churches have been burnt, women have been assaulted, uh, villages, Christian villages have been burnt. And you know, I have a 10 years old son, he's a, you know, he's a very emotional guy, he's a hugger. And I wanted to go to this state called Manipur, northeastern part, I have to travel four hours through flight. I didn't have money, but this prayer, you know, you cannot be quiet when your Christian brother is suffering. And God has called us to do this, so we were praying as a church, as a family, and I said, Lord, I don't have finances, but because you're asking me to go, I'm willing to go. And God raised finances locally. Somebody paid for my flight tickets locally. And different churches came together because they were afraid to go, but they were willing to send money. And oh, I wanted to go, but I didn't have money. And when the Lord provided, my son was crying, Dad, don't go because we were hearing about this news through WhatsApp. Uh, the media, the internet was closed. Almost from May till date, we don't have internet in that state. So you cannot access internet, no Wi-Fi, no WhatsApp, no Facebook, no Instagram. See about how a life exists, you know, without the social media. And my son was crying, Dad, don't go. What, I, what if something happens? Because our flights were ticket, but we didn't have a return ticket. We didn't have finances for that. And but we to, I had to sit with my son and tell son, no, God has called us. And we have to obey what God is asking us to do. And I can die in the safety of my house also. But we have to obey God. But, you know, we need to pray and trust God. Let us trust God. And we prayed together as a family. And my 10-year son, you know, released me to go. It was an emotional challenge. Uh, but, you know, you have to obey God when God is calling us to do. And I am safe here. I made two trips, not just one trip. So what I have understood is if God has to take me, he will take me anywhere. I can die in the comforts of my home. Or I can die anywhere. Death is certain. But life is not certain. And you know. With that I want to encourage you. Uh, no, one of the verses that God convicted me. And has been actually inspiring me. is Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. It says you know. In Christ. we All things have been created. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says. All things were created for him by Him, and through Him. And I realize that, you know, I have realized, and I tell my children, I talk to myself that, you know, you are not created for your father, you are not created for your mother, you are not created for your husband, you are not created for your wife, you are not created for your friends, you are not created for your job, you are not created for the ministry, you are not created for the church, but you have created, you have been created for God alone. And it's like I tell, you know, if you take a guitar, a guitar is created to play, right? But if I use a guitar and use it like a hammer, what happens? It becomes useless. It loses the meaning of its existence. In the same way, you have been created for God, and if you don't live for the very reason that God has created for you, you will lose the purpose and meaning of your very existence. I want to realize that, that no matter what, Whoever says anything, know that you are valued because God has created you in his image for his glory, for him and by him. And live for him. That is when you will find meaning in life. And let us turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Now I want to talk about a missional church That is, we see in the book of Antioch. Now, let us keep our Bibles, Acts chapter 11. I will be teaching from Acts chapter 11. Or 13, so you can keep the Bibles open. I will not let you here and there, so you will be more concentrating. Uh, let us read from 20 and 21. If you are, if you have opened your Bibles, can I hear amen? So Acts chapter 11, verse 20 and 21. The people who started the church at Antioch came to that city after persecution of the church at Jerusalem. Verse 20. Some of them, however... Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Let us close our eyes and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask you that you will speak to our hearts, convict our hearts, work in our lives the way that you want us to be. Break us, shape us, mold us, draw us closer to you this morning in a special way, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, you know, how not to become a mission-minded? And they said, if you you don't want to be a mission-minded, if you don't want to be a true believer, if you don't want to be a biblical church, stay away from missions and missionaries. And marry somebody who, who does not want to be involved in missions, who just want to have a material life so that you will be away from what God has called us. And if at all you want to involve in missions, do some good works. Help some people. But don't talk about Jesus. Don't share about Jesus. Don't be involved in talking about Jesus to anybody. But do some good works. Feel good about it. That's what somebody said. How not to become mission minded. But Reverend Bruce F. Hunt who began uh, foreign missions, especially in Korea, he says like this. The work of the church is missions. That is, the work of the church is not primarily self-preservation, not the perfection of the organization equipment, not the improvement of the membership or several other firsts that people might propose. What has been called the Great Commission, the task of evangelizing the world, was given to the church, and thus it became a great work that God has instructed us to do. Great missions. Missions is the great work and task that God has given to us. And no member of the true church our congregation of Christians can rightly say, I don't want to make disciples. I don't want to be a witness. I don't want to be involved in missions. I don't want to evangelize. If you are a true believer, you cannot say that, you know, I don't want to involve in this. Because everybody who is a true believer, who believes that, you know, Jesus died for our sins, Jesus rose again, Jesus is the one who has given us freedom, can never say, this is not my cup of tea. Because we all... Have been commanded that you know, great commission that we have to go and preach the gospel, we need to shine in this dark world as the lights of God. And we see in Acts chapter 11, verse 20 and 21, these men, you know, these people were not full time pastors who went to a Bible college or who had training with these disciples, you know, with Jesus, but these were ordinary men like you and me who were going to schools, who are working in some places, who were in colleges who never had a training, who did not wait to really learn about everything about God, but they just experienced God, they experienced the freedom God gave, and wherever they went, and you know the times that they were, they were beaten up, they were persecuted, and they had to run for their lives, so they escaped from the place they were living, and they ran away to save their lives. And when they ran away, they didn't think about their safety, but wherever they went, They talked about Jesus. No, missions is everybody's work. And God has called us to shine in this dark world. Wherever you go, we are called to live for him. We are called to shine for him. We are called to influence the godliness that God works in us to shine wherever we go. And that is what is each one's responsibility. It is not just few full-time missionaries or ministers who are called to talk about Jesus. And you don't have to wait to learn everything about Jesus. You know, it's, it's like I say, if you learn A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you can teach A, B, C, D to somebody. That means you just have to be a one step ahead to teach somebody to talk about Jesus. You don't have to really learn everything to talk about Jesus. You just have to share what how God is good, has been good to you. And we see here, the gospel is important and we see here no obedient believer can say evangelism to the unreached is not my part I cannot do it I'm not trained I'm not equipped because in the bible that we see that we read in Acts chapter 11 there were ordinary people laymen There were ordinary people like you and me who never got a training, but they have an encounter with Jesus. They believe that they were created for Jesus and they began to live for Jesus. And you see the result. In verse 21 it says, Acts chapter 11 verse 21 says, The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. To happen, for people to believe, to take place, to no, you need to tell. You see in the verses, they told about Jesus. And I was asking in the first service. Ask everybody. Did anybody hear God's voice directly and telling, my son, my daughter, I am Jesus. I died for you. Please come to me. Did anybody hear that direct voice? Audible voice? No? Did anybody see a vision? No? How did you come to know about Jesus? Probably through your mom and dad, or through your friends, or through your family friends. Isn't it? So we will never have anybody know about Jesus until we speak about it. Until we begin to tell about Jesus, they're not going to hear about Jesus. If you don't tell them, they will not know. If you don't share, they will never hear. And it is your responsibility, friends, it is my responsibility to tell about Jesus wherever we go. And you know, you are blessed. Nobody is beating you up to talk about Jesus. Nobody beats you up to come to church. But we come from places where you could be beaten up. You could be ostracized from your own family members sometimes for believing Jesus. You have the privilege and the freedom of, of, of coming to church. Nobody is beating you up. Probably sometimes somebody had to tell you, "Hey, please come to church. But here, they were in a situation where they were persecuted, but they couldn't shut their mouths. Because they knew that God loved them so much that he died for them. And that love, that unconditional love that they experienced, they could not hold it. In spite of severe persecution, wherever they went, they talked about Jesus. How well the church responds to the Great Commission? will be a significant measure of how truly we are yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ and how we truly love the Lord. If we truly love the Lord, we will obey him. And God is asking us to share about Jesus. And these normal people, ordinary people, talked about Jesus. And, you know, they were in a persecuted situation. They were beaten up. But still, they did not stop. So what excuse do we have to talk about Jesus? Not equipped. These people were not even educated. The people, you know, they were not trained. They just heard about Jesus. They were persecuted. They ran away. And wherever they went, they just told what they have experienced. And it's your job. And we cannot give any excuse telling that, you know, I am not equipped. I don't know. I can't tell. Because it is not of a choice, but it is a commandment. God is not giving an option. Okay, if you feel good about it, you do it. It's not about a feeling, how good you feel about it. It's about how well you share about his love that you experience. That is what God is asking us to do. And we, the church at Antioch, initiated through the personal evangelism. So personal evangelism, sharing the good news, a very important aspect of our Christian faith because you cannot hold something that you know something good about it. No, I was telling... Uh, no uh, we went to Eric's restaurant and brother stanley was telling you know they are making a japanese food wonderfully and you need to taste it and i tried the starters the fried chicken it was so well i spoke to my wife and told you know and this food you have to come here and eat it i couldn't hold you know stanley couldn't hold telling you know i want you to enjoy because he loves me and he told me you no know, a good place where we can have food No, we share about people, about discount sales, about good uh, stuff that we get on the sales. We talk about good movies. We talk about good serials. Why do we not talk about Jesus, which is more wonderful and eternal? Church, ask God to give you wisdom and how I can share about Jesus. We talk about so many good things with our friends. How can you not talk about Jesus, which brings eternal good to us? And we see, secondly, Acts chapter 11, verse 22 and 24. In the same chapter, if you go through down to 22nd verse, it says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So we see here, Barnabas came and encouraged the church was started by the believers, and Barnabas was not one of the disciples. He was just like a believer who grew in the Lord, who had a love for the Lord. He was sent to this church where you know it says the Greek-speaking people, the gospel was only among the Jewish people, but now the Greek people have heard about Jesus and they wanted to encourage, be encouraged by the Lord. And it says they all remained. True to the Lord with all their hearts. So we see here, Barnabas encouraged to live for the Lord. You know, one of the things we see that, you know, ministry of encouragement is very important. And not just encouragement telling, okay, how is your life? How is your work? How is your studies? How is your health? What are you struggling with? It's not that. But, you know, these are the questions that we need to ask. How is your holiness? How is your personal walk with God? What are you reading in your Bible every day? How is your prayer life? Are you struggling with something? How how are you struggling with your thoughts? No, their encouragement was to live for the Lord. And living for the Lord is not to have a good life on this earth. Living for the Lord is to have a holy life, have a pure life, have a right identity in Christ of who we are. And Barnabas was encouraging. And if you see the New Testament books, it was not just the leaders who were encouraging, but it was the believers. You will see a lot of uh, verses about loving one another. The church encouraged one another. The church prayed for one another. The church loved one another. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 25 says, let us spur one another. That means, you know, put a fire. The fire that you have, I ignite you. And the fire that you have, you ignite me like coals come together and you bring a flame of fire because we come together and Bible says, let us not give up of meeting together even as the day of the Lord is coming. And they say that only we can be encouraged when we meet together. You cannot grow as a Christian being isolated. You cannot tell I can live holy life, I can live a Christian life not going to church, not being a part of the fellowship, not sharing about your relationship with God, with each other until I can grow. Because you know, there is no term like isolated Christian in the Bible. We grow in the community and we grow by encouraging each other. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. And we need to mutually encourage one another. You know, sometimes we think only it's pastor's job to talk about Jesus. It is only pastor's job of few people who have committed their lives to talk about Jesus and encourage them. But I tell you, your pastors need encouragement. Other members need encouragement. And church is called to be the body of believers. That means, you know, a hand cannot do what the leg can do. Ears cannot do what the mouth can do. And You are very precious in the sight of the Lord. You are very precious because you are part of the body. You have value that you have to add and you can add in the body of Christ. In Shining Star, God has placed you in Shining Star and you have a specific role. You have a specific ministry. You have specific tasks to do in this church because God put you in the body. And if you don't do your part, the body is not healthy. Imagine my hand is not working. What do you call me? You call me physically challenged, right? Or it's an unhealthy body where you know I cannot really pull up myself. In the same way, if you don't do your part, the church suffers because you play a major role and you are valuable. You may think I don't have any value But I'm telling you, because of Jesus, because you are in the body of Christ, as a member of the body of Christ, you play a great and primary significant role. And I tell you, you know, the church, your pastor is not the head of the church. As a pastor of a church, I didn't die for my church. It is Jesus who died for the church, and I am only a member of the body. As a pastor, my job is to teach and equip the church, but I am not the church. But we all contribute in the work of the missions, in the work of the church. And you have a role. And if you don't know what to do, please go and talk to your leaders. They will tell you what you can do for the church. There are so many needs in the church, in different aspects. And all can do something because you are put in God's body and you are a member. And let me tell you this, you are... Very valuable in the body of Christ. And God counts on you. You have gifts that nobody has. Now I say, Deva cannot do everything. But, you know, you cannot do what Deva can do. Because God put me in a unique way. In the same way, each one of you are unique. And God has given you unique gifts that will help for the growth and the health of the church. And we see, thirdly, they taught the word of God. Acts chapter 11 verse 25 and 26. If you see our Bibles from Acts chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Then Barnabas went to Tharsus to look for Saul. Uh, can, can we read verse 26? And I want you to answer this question. I'm not going to read it for you. If you have Bibles, please open your Bibles to Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And tell me, what is the tri- time frame that they had the Bible study? Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Can we read out loudly? And yes. Can you read out loudly? Is that okay to read loudly, Pastor James? Yeah, please. Can we read out verse 26? Yes. Please read out loudly. One, two, three, start. So now, now, when we read the Bible, we have to ask questions. I was telling in the first service. When you read the Bible, read the Bible like a detective. Inspect and investigate. So here, you need to ask question: How long did Paul and Barnabas teach? Holia, can you believe if your pastor announces, Shining Star, let us have the Bible study for 365 days and I want to see here, let you please sign up. And it's free. How many of you would come? This church? No, they were persecuted. You see the context. They're not sitting at the uh, comforts of uh, soft cushions, air-conditioned church halls. Uh, these people were laborers. That means you know, they, work, they were slaves. They used to work hard. And the slaves, they did not have control of their lives. Most of the believers in the early church were slaves. They used to work hard, slog like a dog. And then they attended this Bible study for 365 days, whole year. Whole year they came to listen to God's Word. And you know what happened as a result of God's word? It says, the disciples were called Christians at first at Antioch. Now the Word of God is what transforms you and you need to be saturated by God's word. Now, we hear so many things in social media, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, what else is there? WhatsApp. What, what else is there? Snapchat. TikTok. And sometimes, you know, you, somebody gives you messages and sometimes you doubt, is this a true verified source? Somebody tells about health tips. How qualified they are, we are not aware of it. But we tend to believe that. And our mind gets saturated by listening to the same things. And now we have this uh, algorithms, I guess. Where you, know, you watch something, and similar things show up. And you are bombarded with the same things, and your mind does not allow you to read something new. But you know, this is a word of God, which is absolute truth. People, you know, with the world speaks a lot of lies. We are not verified. Sometimes we don't even know some people which they talk, are qualified to talk about it. But this is verified. This is qualified. And you need to be saturated to the God's word. Because, you know, we see here, because of the Bible study, their lives were so much transformed that disciples were called Christians. They were connected with Christ. It's only the word of God that can transform us. And, you know, and I want to ask you this question. Are you hungry for God's word? No, in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, Peter talks about it and tells, like infants, crave for pure milk which is the word of god no i tell every t- where i go now infants have only two jobs to do drink a newborn baby drink milk fill their stomach and fill the diapers mother has only two jobs feed and clean because you know the in- the newborn baby is always hungry and if we are true christians we will be hungry for god's word And if you are not hungry for God's word, that you need to question yourself, your love for the Lord. And it's very important that, you know, in our church we encourage two kinds of Bible readings, a fast reading and a short reading, slow reading. Fast reading is something where you read three chapters a day fastly and try to understand. Even if you don't understand, just read through. And then have a small passage, probably six verses or eight verses, in some Bible, English Bibles, you have division of passages. So just think about that. Made in a journal, ask what? Ask some observation questions. Try to interpret what is the aim or, or author's intended meaning. And then how can I apply this scripture? And try to think about it throughout the day. Don't have to read for hours. It only takes less than 10 minutes if you read fastly. But even if you don't have the fast reading, it's okay. But I will tell you, try to cultivate this habit of reading slowly for six verses or ten verses and try to have this general. I, I, I solely appreciate some people make notes, making notes. That's a very good, not just on the Sunday service, but every day when you read your Bible, write down, telling what is God trying to speak to me. And if you don't know what to do about it, you just pray, Lord, I don't know how to do it. Will you please help me, God? And You can pray it in your notebook and tell, Lord, this is what I have read. I am not understanding it. I don't know how to do it. And please help me. And in the due time, God will certainly help you. And if you don't have that hunger for God's word, we are not really Christians. Because your love for the Lord is tested by your hunger for God's word. Now, we were singing this song, I want to see you. You can only see Jesus through the eyes of the word of God. And only when you open your Bibles and read your Bible every day, have a disciplinary uh, relationship with God by studying God's word, that's when actually uh, we will be able to really grow. And this church was a church that was hungry for God. And fourthly, we see Acts chapter 11, verse 29 and 30. Acts chapter 11, verse 29 and 30, it says, The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending the gift to the elders of Barnabas, by Barnabas and Saul. So we see here, they learned the grace of giving. The church was a poor church, they were not rich people, but they gave sacrificially. And if you read Acts chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you will know they gave first themselves to the Lord and then they gave sacrificially. And here we see uh, uh, a slogan is there, it says the church must send or the church will end. Oswald J. Smith says, any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. The mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity, told by Mike Stachura. So it's important that, you know, we be a giving church, giving our lives, our time, our finances. And here in the context we see, they gave their finances. And I thank Shining Star For this, I thank God for Shining Star because you are a missionary church. Because, you know, we we were supported during COVID. You guys sent us a support and we were able to help lots of uh, people, giving them food and pastors in the villages where church was closed. They didn't have food to eat. And you guys helped almost 40 to 60 pastors with the dry grains because of your support that was sent through your pastors. And, you know, we need to be a church that sends Finances gifts sacrificially. A congregation that is not deeply and earnestly involved in the worldwide proclamation of the gospel does not understand the true salvation, the true nature of God. No. Ted Engstrom said this. He was a leader of World Vision International. He says, No, if you don't proclaim, if you're not involved in the Great Commission, that means you have really not understood salvation. No, because God is a missionary God. Jesus left heaven and came down to earth and he died for you. He took up our place. And that's why our missionary God is an example for us and a motivation for us that, you know, that we need to be mission-minded. The gospel is a missionary message. And we it's important that, you know, you involve in the missions. And Acts chapter 13 and verse 1 and 2, it says, Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. They ministered to the Lord in prayer. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And verse 2 says, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The church was a praying church. They were ministering to the Lord. How? In worship. And it says prayer and fasting. You know what is fasting? In those times, fasting was skipping meals. But in our modern days, you know what is fasting? Sometimes we have to tell church, let us fast from mobile phones, let us fast from Facebook, let us fast from Instagram, let us fast from TikTok, let us fast from Snapchat. Oh, very sad. Now when you're you're fasting, you're telling, God, we are hungry. We are hungry for you. We are hungry for your move. That we want you to move, oh God. That's why we, we don't want to feed ourselves with food. So anything that you love, you set apart that and tell God, please move, O oh God, in our church. Move, Lord, in our country. Move among our people. And you set aside time, pray as a church, not individual. It was a church meeting where they fasted as a the church. They skipped meals. It's okay to feast, okay? I enjoy feasting. I want to eat and enjoy. But there should be times of fasting as well. Fasting, which is feasting in the Lord? You feast on the Lord that brings in because of the fasting. And so it's very important, church, that we need to skip our meals. It it cleanses your soul. It also cleanses your body. It's good, both healthy, spiritually and physically. And we need to set up our times. And the church had these times of prayer and fasting where they did this. And lastly, we see they released God out in ministry to touch the world. Acts chapter 13, verse 3 and 4. No, the church fasted and prayed and God told them to send Paul and Barnabas. And so they sent the finest leaders that they had, they sent to go for missions. The church should be a sending church. They sent missionaries. And I'm glad the Korean side of your church has a lot of mission because last time I came, I was in the kitchen. I saw so many flags. I was so fascinated. I think we as English church also should grow up sending missionaries. Because we have a lot of potential. God can and is able to do when people are available. And we saw this church was able to send missionaries because they were worshiping and fasting. Now I want to conclude with this. Uh, South Korea's great missionary movement started. uh, God's sovereignty and our obedience, written by this article by Jake Yong Lee, he talked about how the Korean church became... Uh, missionary movement after America, Korean Church is the greatest mission send, uh, sending country. And he talks about some aspects that really impacted how the Korean movement have uh, become a missionary movement. And he says the church persevered under persecution. You know it was uh, Korea was under Japanese colonial rule until 1945, and you know it was Christian belief system was suppressed. And though they were persecuted, they were suppressed. Few were very faithful. And they lived for the Lord. And they had the prioritization of prayer and obedience. You know, the, the Korean church still have this habit of going early in the morning at five o'clock to the prayer caves and church halls. And they used to meet every day. You know, these people who go to work or schools, first at five o'clock, they used to go to these prayer caves or church halls, pray, and then go to their workplaces. And that was a practice, and I still feel ashamed of our country, because you know our country Apostle Thomas came to our country, and still we are less than three percent Christians. But you know, in 1974, after 1974, Korea really became a great missionary because some foreign missionaries came, and that's how the gospel spread because the prayer movement that Koreans had, though it was not the gospel did not reach in the first century but it became a greatest moment because of prayer. Now, prayer caves were, they especially made prayer caves where you can go and pray. And that's why they obeyed God. And not only that, they had this overseas travel. Now, after Olympics in Seoul in 1988, the country gave freedom for them to travel outside. And so these people fascinated, they went to different countries to talk about Jesus. The missionary movement, Korean missionaries expanded their engagement to the world evangelism after being missionaries. And then we see God opened closed doors. The Soviet Union was a communist country but because the Soviet communist country broke down and that's when the Korean missionaries, they went into these Russian countries and talked about Jesus. And some of the uh, divided uh, Russian countries, they know about Jesus because of the Korean missionaries. And no, they also they had church. Emphasized short-term mission trips and overseas. No, these churches always had family times. So they were focusing, you know, family for family times. We go to family trips, but with the intention of missions. So we go out, spend as a, timely, a family, but not only as a family time, but we also spend as missionaries. So this all the Korean churches they had short-term mission trips as a family. They just didn't go to have recreation and resting. But they went intentionally for missions and we could see a great impact that came out of missions movement. Because they were intentional about missions. And then there were ministers on the move because the church was full of pastors and South Korea became one of the largest churches that were there in the world were from South Korea. And the church was so full that pastors did not have their jobs So they came out and said, now we don't have jobs here. Let us go out where there is need. And they went out of Korea to plant churches overseas. And that's how, no, some people came to America. Some people came to India. Some people came to different countries. And they planted churches. God helped in planting churches. And then, you know, there is also a, a Korean proverb. I'm sure you know it. I just learned from this article. It says, a Korean proverb says, a tiger dies and leaves his coat. A man dies and leaves his name. This mentality of Koreans, they said, okay, Shining Star, oh, we need to have our church missionaries there. We need to send our missionaries there. So that's how they tried to take the ownership of supporting the missions. The local churches took the ownership of supporting for the missions because they wanted to have their name. For the glory of God, not to have their names for themselves, but the glory of God, they made this proverb of the worldliness to have their names, to turn it for the glory of God and had the name for God and they sent missionaries locally supporting for missions. And you no know, retired people became missionaries. Now we have this uh, title called Silver Missionaries on the mission field. After their jobs, they planned the ret- retirements. I know Korean missionary who sold out his house. He sold out everything. He had to go for his Son's wedding, he did not have a house to stay. He was living in India, living, sold out everything. Then his son was getting married, so he had to go to back for the marriage, and you know he had to live in some missionary uh, place, church place. And now he's in Sri Lanka because the work he wanted to start, he raised up leaders. Now he's in Sri Lanka, but you know this missionaries, Korean people had this. After retirement, they said, "Okay, let us plan our retirement as per God's glory. Let us plan for missionaries." And I've, I've known a lot of Korean missionaries who, who planned the retirement. They sold their houses and now they were in missions. Now they're in Sri Lanka presently. Couple of missionaries. So now that is how among them are many faithful Christians. Many of them want to live a second life after retirement by serving as missionaries. Now this Korean movement become a great uh, movement where they were able to spread gospel to the unreached and unengaged only because the heart of the church was missions for the glory of God. And the Antioch church did not come as a mission church. They, didn't, they think, didn't think about missionary mindedness. They only went and preached gospel wherever they were. They obeyed God and God blessed them beyond. And shining star, may we be a church that will shine for God's glory. May you shine wherever you go. Your friends may have a different lifestyle. Your, your teachers may talk something else. But let us be saturated by God's word. And this is, God, this is what is going to transform our lives. Now when I was beaten up by my father, when I was 14 years old, for my faith, this is what comforted me. When I was reading Psalms, I used to feel the comfort of God's God comforted me through the word of God. And I want to tell you, the study of God's word, not reading of God's word. The study and meditation of God's word intentionally reading and studying and giving your best to attempt what God is asking you to do. It's okay to fail. But when you attempt to give your best, God will honor you. May Shining Star be like the church at Antioch. Let us close our eyes and pray.